Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nolcast. Uh, Bud, we've got a surprisingly a lot of different things uh, to try to touch on today. Going to bring people up to speed uh, in recruiting uh, with a little bit of a focus on Junior Day. Uh, talk about the change that occurred on staff. And uh, most prominently, we'll jump right into this schedule conversation. Uh, as always, thanking our friends in New Iberia, Louisiana, Louisiana Hot Sauce. Three simple ingredients, one fantastic product. Uh, I think I used it four times over the course of, uh, of yesterday. Uh, so uh, an authentic appreciation uh, for what they do for us and uh, one hell of a product that we're always fortunate to be able to uh, pair with. So thank you to them. And Bud, uh, let's get into a little schedule talk here. Four times. There you go, man. That four is, times. That yes. is doing something. I'm going to start. Right. I think I'm just going to start making a video clip of the use of Louisiana because uh, it's pretty much everywhere. It's great. We'll put it on our Instagram page, which y'all can follow. All right. So the schedule, a quick read-off, I assume, here, if you want to start with it. Open in Atlanta on September 5th, uh, something that we've all been aware of for quite a while. Uh, week two brings us the Samford Bulldogs, uh, which we were uh, became too familiar with a couple years ago, at least too familiar with the idea of having to play them in a exceptionally competitive game. Uh, week three brings us a trip to the vaunted Albertson Stadium in uh, Boise, Idaho. Uh, yes, that game has remained on the schedule and will be seen uh, to fruition. Then you get an off week uh, uh, for the weekend of September the 26th. Uh, October 3rd brings you a trip to Carter Friendly Stadium in Raleigh. Uh, the next Saturday in October brings you uh, the Clemson Tigers coming to Tallahassee. Uh, no bye week uh, to point out there, something we'll discuss. Uh, immediately after Clemson, you've got a October 17th visit of Wake Forest to Doe Campbell Stadium. I uh, believe that's Parents' Day, if I remember seeing things correctly. Um, or maybe that's homecoming. We'll uh, revisit. Uh, October the 24th has you traveling to Louisville, Kentucky to take on the Cardinals. Uh, busy October here. Uh, the final Saturday in October the 31st, has the Pitt Panthers coming to Tallahassee. November begins November 7th with a trip to Miami Gardens uh, to play the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, return back to Tallahassee on November 14th uh, to host Boston College. You then travel to New York to play Syracuse on the November the 19th uh, with a return trip 11 days later, hosting Florida on November the 28th. And uh, for all of you eternal optimists out there, Saturday, December 5th is the ACC championship game, uh, just so you can make note of such events. You should definitely make note of that um, if you have a friend who goes to Clemson uh, or who is an alum. Uh, so I I don't know. I kind of have mixed feelings about this, right? And in looking at this, for the most part, I, I don't think the ACC did FSU dirty, um, but there's also some stuff in here that I think is sort of uh, sneakily difficult, if you will. Um, stuff that, I don't want to say bothers me, but it, it it depends on like what your goals are, right, If, if for for this season. I, I, I think that's, that's what will determine if you like the schedule or not. Now, part of this is going to be, like we've already discussed the fact they have to play West Virginia in a neutral site game. We've already discussed the fact that they have to play Boise State on the road. Like we know that's already going down. That's not new in this schedule. The only thing really new is the timing 
of the games. And to me, the, the first thing that I would point out here is like Florida State is not a team that I think has a realistic goal of 10 wins or anything like that, right? They, they're trying to make a bowl game, maybe plus one, maybe plus two. I mean, depending on, on what your, your feelings are on that. And I think there's a ton of room for disagreement right now, especially because we have no idea, like, who's going to play quarterback? Who's going to play offensive tackle? Like, is, you know, is your running back going to be eligible? Is, or are you going to have defensive ends stay in the program or, or are they going to transfer out? But the, the two things right off the bat, if I can go negative, because we do have some positives on, on this thing for sure is that I, I don't like the timing of two games that I would identify as swing games. And those swing games to me would be the pit game and the road game at Syracuse. I, I don't like the timing of the pit game because I identify that as a, as a true sandwich game. Right, You're coming off a road trip to Louisville. That's a game you'll likely be an underdog in. Then you have to go home and play a, a physical pit team that if they lined up and played today, I would think Pitt would whip whip like would whip Florida State's offensive line up front, and so that's probably not going to be an easy game for you. Uh, and then you have to go around and play a game at Miami, in which you'll definitely be an underdog in. So because I don't think you can block Miami, just like you couldn't do it last year. That's why we picked Miami to win. Um, so that I, the timing of that Pitt game, man that that's the first thing that stood out. I was like, ooh, that's not the team I want to have to come off like between that sandwich of, of, of Louisville-Miami. And I know casual listeners to the show might be like, guys, it's Louisville-Miami. Like they went like 7-5 and five and 6-6 and six and six last year. Yeah, but they're they're better than you, especially like in, in their home stadiums. Pitt is not the team I want to play coming off that, that group, in, in my opinion. Um, I, does that stand out to you? Yeah, that's one of the things that, that stands out. I mean, this is a... I'm kind of lukewarm about this schedule. I, I don't see it as the screw job that some do. I, I don't really see this as a, a beautiful setup for Florida State either. Uh, look, I was happy to see Florida State leave the propensity of the bye week before Clemson. Swallow your pride. Realize you're not winning that game if you have three bye weeks. Uh, put it elsewhere. Now, you know, did it come a little early? Yes, but, um, but you and I have a little bit of a – ideas to how these things work you you don't necessarily get to really dictate your schedule you get to dictate a few suggestions to it uh and i'm pretty confident that florida state wanted the bye week before nc state as that's a pivotal game that you do have a chance to win and you do have again a chance to be bettered by having a bye week before it uh and as such i think maybe some of these other uh, tougher scheduling uh, parts of it were kind of put together. But, yeah, it's a challenging year. You you loaded up on talented uh, out-of-conference schedules. Uh, you've, you've got a weird trip to Boise. You've got a money game in Atlanta. Uh, and then you've got to contend with a, you know, mediocre conference that, unfortunately, in, in parts of it, has, a, has pieces, mainly a defensive line, that is a real hard matchup for, for what you have and some of the talent that you have on the roster right now. Right, and, and I think you make up a great point too. It's like who else would you have put there in in Pitt's place? It, it you were going to have a sandwich game there because you play a non conference schedule this year that is just pure dumbassery. Mm -hmm. All right, you already have Florida. Stop playing these other games now. Yeah, people are like, what? Never play another? No, that's not what I'm saying. But don't play Boise and West Virginia. Both those games are 
eminently losable, and you're probably going to be a dog at Boise, right? So if you had another, I don't say cupcake, but scheduled win, you could potentially put that there in Pitt's place. That would be so nice to have, I don't know, UAB or Coastal or Charlotte or, I don't know, Southern Miss, or just pick a, a pick a Division One football team, not, not an FCS team, but pick a D1 team to come in to give yourself somewhat of a break. If you had to sit a star, maybe it wouldn't kill you for that week. Um, and, and get yourself a game that you can actually win. Now, that's not saying you can't win Pitt. I think you'll be favored over Pitt. But, like, get a game that you are pretty damn sure that you'll win. So I part of this whole, like, oh, well, Pitt's a trap game here. Yes, it is. But that's a trap week when you have Louisville and Miami there. It doesn't really matter who you put there. Now, if you put Boston College there, where – where would you have put Pitt? Maybe where BC is currently, which is right before you have to go play Syracuse on a short week. I mean, that that for me right there, that that kind of flips how I feel about that Syracuse game in some ways. I I, I thought Florida State was going to be favored. Um, a short week having, having to travel for that on just, what, four days rest? That's not easy, man. Um, that's That's not something I like. I also don't like it from a player safety standpoint. You know, going going to play short weeks like this, that's that's not easy. Because um, you play Saturday, Sunday's your your day for healing up. But all of a sudden, it becomes a compressed week, and Sunday is really now very tough. Uh, you you don't get a whole lot done at practice in these weeks, and then you got to go travel on Wednesday to play on Thursday night. Um, that's that's very difficult, and and I'm I'm interested to see how Florida State navigates that. And for a, a, t- a team, I think, that really needs to try to get to seven or eight wins to, to do what, what they want to do on the recruiting trail, um, you know, that that makes that more difficult. I, I agree with you. I think it was Packer and Durham, the ACC Network show, that actually said that Florida State had requested uh, the bye week be there. Um, I mean, who knows if it was actually their first choice or not? I I don't specifically here, but my guess is it was, you know, up there. From their perspective, if you try and get inside Florida State's head, I think what they're thinking is, okay, uh, we're coming off this this kind of three game set of West Virginia, then Sanford, then at Boise. Can we have a reset before conference play? Mm-hmm. I I don't I don't hate the the, the bye week here. Um, mainly because NC State is a team that I, I project to take a step forward this season. They had a lot of injuries last year, and Florida State got them, and they didn't look very good down the stretch. But I, I think they'll be a much better football team this year. And I, is that a game you're going to be favored to win? I, I don't know. I mean, you guys were kind of e- evenly matched football teams this year from a power yeah. rating standpoint. Getting the bye week before them that that certainly helps. I totally agree with you. By the way. Stop taking the bye week before Clemson. You're not beating Clemson, especially not with Trevor. Like, hell, I wish you could go play Clemson on, on five days rest, right? Just get get that one out of the way. Take a real brief moment here to remind people of our friends at For the Table Restaurant Group. Uh, want to point people in the direction of the Tallahassee Wine Mixer, uh, for which tickets have just recently become available. Uh, info is at TallahasseeWineMixer.com. Uh, a lot, uh, a lot to offer here. Unlimited wine sampling, red, white, sparkling. Uh, you get the idea. 
in addition to the wine mixer, there's going to be a Mott's Fest. Uh, that's an entire area within the wine mixer, basically devoted to all things mozzarella. Uh, so, yeah, nice little pairing there. And then you get that, and you get the VIP access, bud. And that gets you unlimited charcuterie tent, uh, gets you in an hour earlier. Hey, uh, wine, mozzarella, and charcuterie, I promise you, you will uh, feel pretty well when you leave, and you'll probably sleep pretty well uh, once you get back to your, your preferred place of residence. So, again, want to point people in the area of TallahasseeWineMixer.com. Our friends at Madison Social for the Table Restaurant Group are always doing big things. And this- have you looked at this? How, how many times they play at home in the first six, first six weeks of the year? <laughs> yeah, yeah, not a not a enjoy enjoy seeing them play against Sanford because uh, that's really all you're going to see. There are some some strange quirks to the schedule. I don't remember seeing a schedule where your the entirety of conference play is reduced to 44 days, basically. Uh, you have eight straight weeks of ACC opponents um, from October third to what November nineteenth. Uh, so you you get you get it all in in one straight stretch, uh, no rest, no nothing but ACC opponent after ACC opponent. Um, so uh, interesting, but yeah, you get a September twelfth date at home, and then uh, you do not return home again until uh, hosting Clemson on October tenth. So like I said, get your uh, you know, get your your moments in there uh, on the second week of September as Sanford comes to town because you're not going to get to see Florida State host anybody until the second weekend in October. But from from a so there's two ways to think about this, in my opinion. On the one hand, you could pretty easily be, uh, I mean, what two and two by the time. Clemson comes to town. I think it's probably your most likely record in, in like at that point. Now I think three and one is a little more likely than one and three, but two and two is probably your expectation. I think before Clemson comes to town, we could be talking about another poor September start here, um, which this team has had for God, I don't know since twenty seventeen. I think so. And didn't wasn't there something in twenty sixteen? I'm trying to think. Ha- oh, the Louisville game, right? Yeah, that's when right. You, when yeah. you lost by forty-five, yeah, uh, to to Louisville. On the other hand, here, if you can show some competency, right, uh, you could actually be rewarded with some nice home crowds because of the fact that, like, I don't know about you, but my wife doesn't want to go to Florida State games in, in September. It's too hot, mm-hmm. right? Like, she's like, no, that, I don't want to sit outside like that. You can go to the Champions Club, but there's only so many people that actually can go to the Champions Club I and mean, if, if that thing's packed out. I like having more of your home games in October, November, especially if you can't seem to control what your start time of these games in September is going to be. So that's kind of cool. Um, on the other positive side, how many cold road games do you project to play here? I mean, what what, what do you think your coldest road game will be? Yeah. Syracuse d- is you, in a dome. Right. You don't have that... Uh... You don't really have one. I mean, uh, unless you have a bizarre thing in Louisville, but that's not. Uh, that's October twenty you know, fourth, though. Right, that's cold. Yeah. Well, and again, that's not, it's not like you're traveling to Boston College. It's not like you're traveling to a team that's used to playing in it, and the elements are going to be some surprise. No, there is no, there is no, like 
game where you look out there and you see everybody wearing long sleeve t-shirts and uh you know wearing the fanny packs that uh, let you put your hand warmers in and stuff like that uh so yeah there there is no climate adverse uh situation that this schedule is going to throw at you i'll also point out there are no back-to-back home games and i like that talk to your buddies with kids uh, ask them how easy it is to go to back-to-back home games right it's like wait we we just Clemson went and wake to you have one Oh, shit, you're right. We do. So there's no back-to-back road games then, I believe. I must have wrote this down incorrectly. Uh, that's the case, yeah. Okay, yeah, so no, so no back-to-back roadies. One, one back-to-back home game. Okay. Interesting. That's not that bad, though. I feel like the home schedule is somewhat attractive. I mean, you, you have the Clemson game, which... I kind of want to have Clemson early in the season because... A, I think it reduces the disappointment if you get your doors blown off again, which seems likely. But also, uh, like having it early in the year, you don't have your expectations built up like like crazy just yet. The Wake game at home, I mean, you played Wake tough last year, and they beat you. Um, I think you'll probably beat them this year, if I had imagined. And then, like that pick game at home, I think is is somewhat attractive. Boston College at home. Fine, I, but getting the Gators at home is is the game that will really sell the season tickets here. That's a game that I think some fans believe Florida State will have a, a real chance to win. Um, I I don't know. Like I would you rather? Let me ask you this: Would you rather have full week of rest to go play Syracuse and not have the two extra days to, to play Florida? Yeah, that's a good question. I. I... I probably would, just me personally. Um, but I just uh, I hate that you travel as far as you do to travel to Syracuse and play on five days rest. Uh, that's that's a little bit of a tough situation. Uh, you know, maybe that Boston College game is a little bit earlier. Just when it look, hopefully that's not a night game. Uh, when you look at just the sheer hours of recovery and transition that's necessary. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, Thursday night primetime game. Uh, that's how you get scheduled, and that's probably going to be one of your few opportunities where you really have a chance at a national audience. So uh, you you take it where it comes. Pause briefly here to tell you about Resolution Home Loans. When you call eight four four FSU Loan or visit fsuhomeloans.com, you're going to be hooked up with Shannon Young. Shannon Young is the best loan guy. In the business, I speak from experience. Shannon did my loan personally. He'll also personally handle yours. We're talking great rates. We're talking excellent customer service, knowledge of the industry. So whether it's, hey, you need to hold off on this for a minute or two so we can make sure we get the best rate, or hey, let's lock this in today. Um, Do you want to play with these points or not? All all, all these mortgage terms that I'm just throwing out here as a non-expert, Shannon is literally an expert on, so... You want to make sure you hit up Shannon, 844-FSU-LOAN or FSUHomeLoans.com. More than 40 Knollcast listeners have now received their mortgage through Resolution Home Loans. We're excited about that. Uh, let's transition here real quickly from uh, the schedule to someone who was uh, not in town long enough to actually impact the schedule, and that was TJ Rushing, defensive backs coach. Uh, last episode, we discussed how he was moving on to Texas A&M. Um, I, I do think that's a loss, actually. Having, having met Rushing, I thought he was a pretty sharp dude. I know some people in the building did as well. I don't know the exact reason that he left uh, Florida State for AM. I guess is some combination of money, uh, which AM has a ton of, Florida State does not. 
uh, and also like his experience recruiting uh, the state of Texas and those areas, which is the place that obviously A&M has to do a good job of recruiting. Um, so that that's a loss, I, I think. Um, and we're not going to deny it as a loss because he was the first choice, as far as we know, of Coach Mike Norvell. And one of the, the positives about Norvell's tenure so far has been him getting his first choice uh, at almost all of his coaching positions with the exception of what, offensive line? I think it was because we, we, we know he, he wanted Silverfield uh, first and, and he, he did not get Silverfield. But Atkins, I, I think, is going to be, I think will work out pretty nicely. Uh, but no surprise here, the, the guy who we had heard was his second choice for the gig back back in, in the day. I mean, like what, a couple weeks ago? <laughs> uh, Marcus Woodson from Auburn, who was on the Memphis staff, was, was one of the guys who really helped uh, to build those Memphis teams. Um, he's kind of he's going to come over. Woodson's a, a proven good recruiter. Uh, some Auburn people kind of debate how much like how much how much coaching he was doing with the DBs and and how much it was other people. Uh, so we'll have to see how well he meshes with Coach Fuller. Uh, they have not worked together, by the way. I think it's important to note because Fuller was only at Memphis uh, for that one year, and and by that time Woodson had already gone. To Auburn, but uh, I, I think uh, I think recruiting is actually going to be a little bit more important than coaching, especially in the early years of Norvell's tenure. And uh, my guess is they can get some people to, to, to coach up DBs, including Woodson, obviously, and, and having his recruiting prowess uh, should help you. Not not that I think rushing was going to be a poor recruiter. In fact, I think he can be a dynamic personality. You're talking about a guy, you know, young African American guy who went to Stanford won a Super Bowl with Peyton Manning, played five years in the league, and, and is still young enough to, to really relate to the kids well. But it, I'm not sure the drop-off here is enormous, right? I think I think Woodson's a, a good hire, clearly somebody who Norvell considered the first time around. Uh, and it, it says something about Woodson's uh, desire to work with Norvell again, and I think it says something positive about Norvell's management and the leadership style, that he, uh, that he went ahead and, and made that jump so quickly. Yeah. Uh, impressive. I mean, things that we've stated before about Norvell, impressive with how quickly he's able to attack an issue when it does come up. Uh, obviously, an individual that uh, has, a, has a lot of organization and, and a plan as to what he's trying to do. Uh, credit to being able to go and get another guy from Auburn. Uh, that's a, a nice sign as far as when it comes to professionals making uh, decisions as to you know what, where they think is uh, appropriate to kind of place their horse in the in the race that is the college coaching uh, world, and it's a uh, by all accounts a, a pretty solid hire, a guy that's going to recruit well. You would have to think, and um, yeah, there's enough pieces out there that if there's any kind of fall off in the coaching uh, aspects of it, I, I think you'll be able to supplement some of that. So uh, a nice little hire and impressive with which the speed the hire was made out uh, undoubtedly. Absolutely, man. So uh, let's go ahead and talk a little recruiting. We, we just got done talking about Coach Rushing and Coach Woodson and their recruiting. And uh, so far, I think Florida State is doing a pretty good job in recruiting. Uh, obviously, they're not knocking it out of the park for the 2020 class, and uh, that, that that is what it is. This is an early signing period. New coach uh, transition class, it's not going to be very good, and even the guys you think are going to be very good are probably going to flame out 
at a rate that's going to be kind of depressing in about 24 or 36 months. Just that's how this goes. You don't have a whole lot of time to vet these guys. And sometimes these dudes are available for a reason and not a good reason, to be honest. Um, so, uh, one thing that's happened this weekend, though, and is the junior day. Florida State's bringing in a lot of soft, uh, juniors and a couple sophomores to Tallahassee. They're wasting no time in, in getting this done. And, and so far, the, the list that, that I've received looks pretty good. Um, they, they have some, some big-time kids coming in. I do want to point out here, that it's, and it's important to note this, uh, Florida State, they don't have their recruiting like back office staff in place yet. Uh, we did report earlier that they were not getting their top targets for that, for that director of recruiting position. We, we know of a couple guys who they went after who ended up not taking the job. So that's probably the one coaching position that, that I've been told that they're not coaching position, but just position where their number one guy for that that gig uh, didn't end up taking it. Um, so we'll see w- what they do there. But the thing is, I think most of the top guys they have on campus here are going to be dudes who they do con- continue to pursue. But I do not think that this list is all-encompassing in that I think whoever they bring in to be the recruiting guy, maybe it ends up being Chuck Kenner. Uh, we'll have to see who he likes. We'll have to see how he meshes with the staff and, and how well he works inside of that building. Um, you know, and, and just kind of how that goes. Uh, so there will be other guys coming on on campus as well. They're going to have multiple junior days in the spring, and that's going to be something that I think people are going to be very interested to see how this thing plays out. But it's important to get these kids on campus to try to express to them what Florida State is as a program and what Coach Norvell's vision for this program uh, is going to be. So right off the bat, let's discuss. They have some offensive linemen coming in. Yes, I, I, I did say this, offensive linemen. Micah Pettis is a pretty nice-looking player. Micah Morris from Georgia, really nice-looking player. Georgia has a bunch of, of good offensive tackles in the 2021 class. At this point, I don't project Florida State to land any of them, but it is early. Um, I think Florida State is going to be well-served to find some dudes who not everybody knows about just yet and project them, almost like, like they did with Charles Cross, right, and get on them. And they didn't sign Charles Cross, but they were kind of the first big school to really jump in on Charles Cross. At this point, I don't think Florida State is really in a good position for any four or five star currently rated tackle. Now, maybe I'm wrong on that, but I think that there's some guys who maybe, you know, two two stars or three stars currently who have a chance to improve. And those are some of the bodies I want to see at the second junior day. Who are the kids at Florida State? Because they are very behind the eight ball here for this 2021 class. People don't want to hear that, but it's true. I mean, a school like Clemson and Georgia have been done with 2020 for the most part for months and are have been on 2021 for quite a while. They've established those relationships already. Who are the guys who you can get on to where other schools don't have a head start on you? You see what I'm saying? The guys that you can maybe roll the dice, take a little bit of risk on, offer early, and they end up being really good. I'm interested in seeing that too. But like I said, Micah Morris, Micah Pettis, and then you have a pair of teammates here in Caleb Johnson and Jake Slaughter, two Florida guys who I feel like you have uh, somewhat of a shot with. They're also getting Xavier uh, Sori, who's one of the best athletes in the entire country, I mean, legitimate five-star type football player, could play either side of, of the football. Thick kid, very athletic, um, 
at this point, I think, and he, he's, he's from the Panhandle, which honestly is kind of more Alabama ter- territory than it is Florida State territory. And if I had to project at the current moment, I would project Sori to leave the state and, and go probably to Alabama or, or you know basically go out of state. They're getting local kid Amari Harvey in. Uh, Harvey's a dude who did not have Florida State in his top three uh, at the Future 50 event that I attended recently here in Orlando, which is at the check-in for the Under Armour All-America game. However, uh, Harvey is also a dude who we know is very high on Florida State and uh, this was an instance in which somebody else uh, who was doing interviews asked him, well, hey, if you get to know the Florida State staff, do you think they'll be in your top three? And in this case, he said, yes, definitely. And that that answer jived with what I understood about Harvey uh, previously. He's a local kid who really does like Florida State. And if you could get him in the boat, uh, he could really be a good recruiter for you, in my opinion, uh, with other kids because he's a dynamic personality. He's somebody who I think is going to be active for you on Twitter, on social media, maybe organizing group chats, that sort of thing. So that's good to see. Uh, Luke Altmyer is a quarterback. I know Florida State has some interest in uh, for sure, so he's going to be up. And then a DB that uh, th- that I actually started hyping like two years ago on Twitter, uh, Omarion Cooper out of, out of Lehigh High School. Shout out to James Chaney, their head coach, who, who tipped me to this kid. And uh, we were actually, I can remember the first day I saw him, we were at warm-ups in, in their game against Fort Myers High School, uh, and uh, Omarion was, was running around, and I, I had the roster, and I was like, this kid's a freshman? He's like, yeah, he's a freshman. It's like, okay, note to self. That dude is probably going to be pretty good, and he was and is. And then, of course, uh, linebacker Brandon Jennings. Uh, that's kind of the last real big name that, that they have on this, this uh, junior day visit list. Brandon Jennings, of course, is the son of who? Bradley Jennings. Bradley. Yeah. Yes. Uh, he plays for Sandalwood and uh, and is a beast and is the superior prospect to his brother, whose name mm-hmm. what was his name? He, he went he went to Miami. A good player, just not not the same level of player. But Brandon Jennings is is very good and a guy who I think Florida State has got to find a way to get into this class if they want this to be a, a big time impact class. But I, I think if they get most of their top targets up and, and they find a way to get a couple other kids up, that this will be a nice start for Florida State in the 2021 class. I'm not expecting them to you know, have some insane class here because unfortunately now with the more data we have, we're realizing you know, just how far behind some of these programs are when they make coaching changes, and that's the downside of making a coaching change. Everybody's very excited about Coach Norvell and all this new stuff, but you did ax the prior coach after just two years. That does put you behind the eight ball significantly. They have a lot of ground to make up in these relationships against the big schools that you want to beat out for the top prospects. You don't want to be in a situation like you are right now where 12 months from now you're having to beat out schools like Arkansas and Ole Miss, right? That's a recipe to get fired. Now, they're not going to fire anybody early because money-wise, obviously, can't do that again. Uh, But you need to start finding a way to beat out some schools like, you're not going to beat out Clemson for kids at this point, I, I don't think. You're not going to beat out some of those. But can you start beating out schools like a Tennessee or, you know, uh, Penn State? Can you can you beat Miami more consistently for kids? Th- those type of things are going to be signs that I'm going to, I'm going to be looking for. If you, lose to George, if you lose kids to Georgia and Clemson in this year, uh, uh, that's not going to be something I'm going to worry about too much. 
They also have two official visitors coming in, by the way. So uh, in addition to the Junior Day activities, bud, they've got uh, two officials coming. These are still uh, 2020 prospects here. Looking at uh, Tennessee athlete uh, Darian Williamson and then a defensive end. Uh, both of these kids are teammates, by the way. Uh, another Tennessee athlete in uh, defensive end, Marcuston Douglas, I believe is how you pronounce his first name. Yeah, so I, I didn't know anything about Douglas, and I was listening to um, the Big Ten recruiting podcast that uh, Steve Wilfong and Alan True of the 24-7 Sports Network host uh, the other day when I was at the grocery store. And uh, they I think it was Alan or uh, um, Alan or Steve had, had said, hey, we, we really got to get this kid ranked. He, he was a basketball dude who's now playing football and looks really good despite limited experience there. So uh, probably a good job of scouting by, by this staff to, to get on them with, with Marcus and Douglas. Williamson is a pretty good athlete. Uh, receiver could also play safety for you. Um, we'll, we'll have to see how they do here. But the, the Douglas kid's interesting to watch. He does have a lot of athleticism. And that, that could be, uh, you know, we talk about, hey, they're, they're bringing a lot of three stars. This is probably not going to be much of an impact class. But if you want to shoot the moon and, and talk upside, uh, if you're able to develop them, obviously – like not a five star for a reason, but this is a dude who has, I think, some real upside, which is which is good to see. All right, Ingram, family law is a really complicated issue, and it's very helpful to have an expert navigate those waters with you if you're going through a family law issue. Our friend Travis Johnson of the Metter and Johnson Law Firm is that guy. Board certified family law attorney, very few of those in the state of Florida. He is one of the elite class. You can reach him at 850-435-9919, whether you're going through a divorce or maybe you have an alimony question. Uh, perhaps you have some you know, an issue as far as uh, children, custody, visitation, uh, need, need the court to intervene. Whatever you need, Travis is equipped to handle your needs. He has cases throughout the state. One of the leading family law attorneys in the state of Florida. This is a, a decision that you want to get right the first time. Travis Johnson can help you get it right. 850-435-9919. Listener questions. Most of these have come from our Patreon uh, page. That's patreon.com slash Nolcast. And uh, if you want to submit a question, your chance of getting your question answered on the show is much higher if you are a Patreon member than if you just email us, nolcast at gmail.com or Twitter, which is at Nolcast. And the reason being, we check the Patreon page first. Doesn't guarantee that your question gets gets read, but it does increase your odds because I'm actually going to see it. Uh, and the email you know, inbox, I try to read most of them, but the bar is a little bit higher there. Okay, uh, so Patreon question number one. How many members of the shadow staff does Florida State need for a legit chance to compete at the highest levels of college football? Uh, I would say... About four times what they gave Willie and about two to probably about twice what they're going to give Norvell, um, realistically. Now, the problem with, with this is it's very complicated. How are you defining shadow staff? Are we talking just total number of analysts? Are we talking total number of QCs, which is quality control, uh, consultant roles, all, all these type of things? But I, I think that the, the biggest... Most committed programs out there are probably about double what I've been told they're going to give Norvell. Um, now, do you have to have that? I, I don't actually think you do. 
I think there's an element of bloat here, right? Um, there, there definitely is. But until we see somebody win that doesn't have it, I think we're going to kind of have to classify that you have to have it. You know, it's hard to answer this question because you don't have a reference point of some team moneyballing it. You don't have a reference point of some team doing it without uh, the massive. I mean, think about who's won the national championship over the past couple of years. Um, right, LSU doubled their staff and uh, last year, and then, and then won. I think they went from right. like six to sixteen. So now, I will say Clemson does not have a huge number of analysts. I think that they have like six or seven. They've got a lot about, of they've got a lot of QC guys, don't they? They've got a lot of the lower. If you consider the analyst uh, of of greater levels of support than maybe the quality control guys, um, yeah, I think Clemson's got a deeper quality control bench than they do necessarily analysts. Which, when you have two coordinators that are exclusively coordinators of offense, uh, it's a little easier to do something like that. I would agree. Also, one thing that makes this very difficult to quantify is uh, how many consultants do you have either on the books or kind of off the books, right? Off the, like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> famously off the books and yeah. in some circumstances. Right. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe a certain coach who was uh, texting people who shouldn't be texting was working as a consultant for uh, a certain SCE school uh, back during his little sabbatical. I, I think Florida State can compete there, but you're right. In recent years, I mean, you are seeing the teams that spend the most money sort of New York Yankees like their way to a title. And there are certain there are certain really big advantages having a huge staff uh, gives you. But at the same time, I will note, like I've talked to some people that say, we don't want, and I'm not, not just for say people, but some people are like, we don't want to be as big as Georgia, right, with that. I'm like, is this sour grapes? Are they serious? But their explanation is, that is a whole lot of people to manage. It's very difficult to get a staff of that size to all be on the same page, right? Like that's that's very tough to, to do. Then you have to worry also about your information getting out. That's a whole lot of eyeballs on, on your program that know about your stuff. It, it becomes cumbersome to manage that. You might not need 20 analysts. Now LSU has, what we say, I think 16 now. Um, that seemed to work pretty well for them. It, it seems to work pretty well if you have that many eyeballs for, for a variety of reasons. Um, but yeah, I, it, I think Florida state is certainly staffing up, but they're, they're not there yet compared to the, the biggest of the SEC schools, Ohio state, those, those type of programs. Yeah. Yeah. Staffing up. It'll be interesting to see how much recruiting support Florida state continues to give its staff. That's one area, uh, that I think is money that can be spent and spent wisely. Uh, they also need to improve their, you know, their video and recruiting graphics for sure. Um, I, I think Kelly camp does a good job. Uh, he was an improvement over the the main guy they had doing that clearly, uh, but they, they could be, they could get even better in that area, in my opinion. Heard on my second favorite Florida State podcast that uh, Florida State requested the early bye week. Have either of y'all heard about this? And if so, what would be the advantage? So uh, something we mentioned earlier, and uh, you know, Florida State fans are are fortunate in the. Fact that there's a lot of great Florida State podcasts, so I'm glad that you're able to listen to uh, as many as you like, and there's a ton of good information out there. Um, yeah, I mean, this is something that I 
think that we're fairly confident in stating Florida State uh, had requested simply because there's only so many places where that NC State game could go, and there's only so many opponents that Florida State really had an interest in having a bye week before. Um, so, yeah, this is how it laid out. Uh, did they necessarily want to uh, kind of uh, uh, bifurcate the schedule as much as they did to where you've got eight straight ACC games? I'm not sure that would have been the wish, but uh, like I said earlier in the podcast, having some friends who've worked in the conference and whether it be Florida State, Georgia Tech, whatever, uh, better experience with how this thing is put together. Uh, you can make suggestions and you can kind of make suggestions with the back of your mind uh, that there's certain trade-offs if said suggestions are listened to. And that's kind of one of them that happened here. Right. And again, this is Florida State's own fault for, for not scheduling itself some winnable non-conference games. Or not winnable, I shouldn't say winnable. Because win- if I say they didn't do winnable, that implies that I don't think they can win these games. I do think they can. It is Florida State's own fault for failing to schedule some guaranteed slash very likely wins in the non-conference that it could plug in throughout the schedule. The bye week being where it is, is only a big deal because you then have to play, like you mentioned, eight straight conference games. Uh, and you have to do that because you scheduled a whole bunch of nonsense in your non-conference schedule. And like you, you need to find a way to go at least three and one in the non-conference every year. If, if you want to have a consistently good record, you don't want to have a non-conference schedule that puts you at a very real risk of going one and three in the non-conference. That's that's not a that's not a good thing because then you need to pull off five and three in the league to make a bowl game. Now I think this is probably the last year we're really going to have to worry about that at all. Uh, as far as the hey gosh can we go five and three in the league type thing to, to make a bowl, but that's just sort of what it is. Uh, what is the biggest surprise and biggest disappointment since the hire? of Mike Norvell. Um, okay, biggest surprise, like positive, and biggest surprise, negative. You, you, you got one, you want me to lead this off? Well, the the I was going to say the two kids. Really, the fact that Marvin Wilson's coming back. I mean, that's, that's uh, uh, my brain's still having a hard time processing that, and that's a fantastic uh, addition. Makes the schedule talk that we just had a little bit more easier to, uh, to digest at times, and uh, that's a surprise that I've, would have had a hell of a hard time predicting. I'll put it that way. So that's a big one. Uh, biggest disappointment. Um, shoot. I don't know that there's a disappointment per se. I mean, to see coaching turnover three weeks. If you want, yeah, one. I'll give you fire one. away. Please. Weidman. Not, 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 not being able to sign Malachi Weidman uh, early. And obviously like, like my rule is if you don't sign early and we mm-hmm. didn't know about it, like it wasn't just something your school doesn't allow. You're not really committed. You're not a commit. Like, failing to get Weidman, he was one of the two players in, in your recruiting class who I feel like were players that other national schools legitimately wanted. Weidman um, and Tate. Being yeah, the two exactly. Kids. Yeah. So, like, the rest of them are just kind of whatever uh, as far as national schools wanting him. Um, that would be one of the disappointments, I, I would say, so far. Biggest surprise? Wilson? Wilson, for sure, is would be the biggest surprise. If I have to give a second one so I don't just copy you, I think it would be uh, – the number of guys who he got to come to his coaching staff quickly, who we know were his top choice mm. or pretty damn near close to his top choice. The biggest disappointment for me, I think would be the failure to bring in a proven big time guy to run, to run recruiting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think several people turned him down and that's disappointing. Uh, so, you know, we'll see, 
if they end up with kind of a retread type there who some other schools don't speak that highly of. Yeah. Um, uh, Wilson's obviously the surprise. Look, I'll, I'll say the guy that you got to be your chief of staff. Yes. Whew, oh, that, Bruce. that's a hell of a hire. I mean, sure. that that is when I talk to people in the coaching industry, that is a that's a home run. And then maybe another home run immediately afterwards. That, that's a really impressive thing. And that's a, a good sign as far as Florida State's commitment uh, to bringing in somebody who's that much professional, doesn't come cheap and is going to provide uh, some structure around the program that is uh, desperately needed. You know, somebody I was talking to in the building the other day, um, they, they, they said something really nice about Bruce. And they said, that guy is really, really sharp. And he is. I've, I've met him. I, I agree. He said, but he also is smart enough to know what he doesn't know and is all about seeking information. So he does. So he does know. And I was like, that's that's important because, you know, like it, it's it's easy if you get in a leadership position to, to assume you know everything. And it's it's good to see that he's willing to go out there and try to learn as much as he needs to learn in order to make Florida State the best place uh, that, that it can be. So overall, very impressed with, with the hires that Coach Marvell has made. Recruiting director is the one that we'll have to see uh, if some of the rumors are true uh, there. But overall, I think the recruiting staff is going to be better than it was uh, under the last administration, even if they don't get maybe their top choice or top two or three choices there at the recruiting head spot. Um, okay, let me see. What time is it? Oh, well, we're at uh, we're at 47 minutes. So let's go ahead and shelve the rest of these questions, I think, unless we have something that's real relevant for uh, this weekend. Um, oh, well, somebody did ask about why, but I may have missed this during the last NOLCast, but is there any... Uh, expedition as to the way which Weidman is leaning. Does the basketball team's performance help at all? Uh, Josh Newberg of Knowles 24-7 reported that uh, Weidman does not currently have plans to make it back up to campus. So I would say that the basketball team's excellence does not appear to have any kind of impact on him. I also kind of wonder, how much do you think he would actually play on a basketball team of this quality? Like, he's a good, he's a good high school basketball player, but I don't think he is necessarily a dude who would play a ton for you uh, at, at Florida State basketball, if basketball really matters to him. Uh, but I, I think Florida State is is not going to get Wyman at this point, and that's kind of what a, our opinion was on signing day, right? It's like, hey, if you don't sign early, and there's not a legit reason for you not to sign early, you're not committed. That's the rule that college coaches have and, and operate under. So, I mean, there's a reason they're bringing in another receiver this weekend on an official visit. Like, they... They're not dummies, I don't think. Um, yep. So, yeah. No, it's a good place to uh, end there. We've got a bunch of basketball questions that we'll shelve. Uh, we'll do a, a, a basketball-focused uh, show, a little bit of uh, perspective after this weekend's Notre Dame game uh, that we'll be able to throw these through uh, and address a program that uh, very much deserves our time and attention. Um, so, as always, want to thank you, the listener, for the support you've given us. Uh, if you feel so inclined, a five-star review on iTunes or any other podcast provider is uh, wildly appreciated. Uh, thank you uh, for all the support that you've given us since day one, and we look forward to having a null cast to you uh, the beginning part of next week. All right, guys. See you soon.